0: Yo, yo, episode 20, 2-0, back in action, not 19, not 19, not 18, not 17, episode 20 coming off of a a good weekend, we uh, we do our programming on Mondays, so we figured we'd come up with a topic pertaining to programming, alright, so what we're dropping today is the topic
1: of discussion is accessory movements. accessorizing your accessories uh what we understand really if we can uh take a look at how we do movement we either train for compound complex movements or everything else and not everything else for us we we like to define as accessory things that can help complement these big movements these big exercises uh and not being afraid to do them
0: yeah no accessory the term is Basically, anything pertaining to a not, you know, non-compound movement. You know, uh, it's safe to say we both agree on majority of your training should be these compound movements. But in order to really succeed and excel in lifting these compound movements, you know, you want to kind of nitpick these smaller things, kind of throw in the smaller idea of accessory movements.
1: Yeah, you're gonna get the most bang for your buck doing these compound movements, and in our programming, that's why it's so popular. They actually can feel that it, it's the most bang for their buck, but we wanna take the approach that uh, you're only as strong as uh, your weakest link, and those weakest links for a lot of people aren't the compound movements, it's this uh, these small little muscle groups, uh, these isolation exercises that they don't train enough to help build their bigger movement
0: yeah and you know we can come out with some examples to kind of give the listener you know more of idea on what we're talking about so what you just mentioned was you're only as strong as your weakest link so the best way to kind of identify when to program accessory movements is based on what your weaknesses are you know a good example would be if you are doing a bench press right and you come down touch your chest you're pressing you get about halfway up in closer to the three quarters the way up and you can't lock out right so that would be a prime example to kind of throw in some accessory movements maybe focusing on triceps okay something like that where you got three quarters of the way up but you didn't get that full lockout something to accessorize on developing tricep strength so that'd be a good example for that
1: yeah uh yeah and we can play that game all over compound movement like the deadlift and they struggle through that first pull right then maybe they need to do some other movements to help complement the strength of that maybe it's isolation banded hamstrings maybe it's single leg rdls maybe there's some other stuff they can do to help complement that overall pulling motion Uh, we do this uh, again this is not just for weightlifting Uh, a good example would be the handstand push-up it's a very common exercise uh, that we do in our program and it's also a very commonly challenged exercise by most people it's a struggle for them to move high rep upside down at full range of motion so we recognize their is not the handstand it's maybe some of the movements that are accessorizing that so weaker shoulders so they can just work more seated press work maybe it's tricep and they don't get that lockout strong they can work through some tricep extensions over time to help build that out but I think it's clear that what what the compound movements allows us to do is to see where some of their weaknesses are, go back to the drawing board with accessory movement, and then build them back up.
0: Yeah, in regards to programming, the first step is identify weaknesses. Then the second step would be when do we kind of throw these accessory movements in, you know, within our training, um, you know, you can go before, after, kind of dependent on your you know training structure. Um, but you know, you definitely don't want to take the focus away from practicing this main lift and just focusing on just the accessory movement. But in regards to throwing them, you know, alongside you can go pre, you can go post. It's kind of you know up to you, uh, and obviously it depends on what type of movement, um, things like that.
1: Yeah I think in, I think people could stick to the group class 3 to 4 days a week and they should be adding those accessory 2 to 3 days a week that could be pre workout post workout I think it's whatever works with someone's lifestyle right they have to come in early morning and do that accessory work pre workout do it. If they have to do it post-workout, do it. If they have to do it on a separate day itself, do it. The issue of why they're not getting better is not whether they're doing it pre or post, it's that they're not doing it at all. Yeah,
0: exactly. And that's kind of, we had a topic of discussion one time was like, is it better to stretch before your workout or after your workout? And you could, you know, you can find a million different point of views, but we both agreed on it doesn't matter when you do it as long as you do it right you know and that could be the the same thing pertaining to accessory stuff you got to get the work and don't make up an excuse oh you know i heard it's better to do it before but i didn't do it before so i'm not even going to do it after i'm just not going to do it you know the, the important part is you doing it
1: right the other thing that we look for is when we start strategizing sets and reps is that traditionally the accessory work is done with a uh, a higher volume, less load. So there's the inverse relationship between the two. We're not trying to put a circuit between all these smaller ISO exercises and create a workout out of that. That's not what we're trying to do. We wanna take long rest periods. We wanna keep the heart rate low. We're really looking to really complement uh, single action motion so it can help build on those full compound motion.
0: Yeah, it's narrowing down that little segment with that common goal to Get that specific thing better. You're not going to come in here and, you know, for an accessory day, so to speak, and, you know, leave out of there like you just did a Fran or something like that, you know, super, super gassed and winded. It's understanding what your specific purpose is, okay, dialing in on that and just accomplishing that.
1: So let's give a rundown on that with numbers. So uh, the compound lift of the day is uh, uh, a strict press, five by five where where do we build accessory work for that for that motion we want to keep it upper body today's an upper body push day uh how how do we accessorize that with the five by five standing uh, seated press
0: well i would say majority of that time in the gym is going to be on that five by five because that's the primary focus okay and then with the remainder of time depending how much time you've got You can kind of throw in maybe a seated dumbbell press okay or maybe some skull crushers at the end of the workout you know something to develop tricep strength but if your focus is to come up with an accessory movement pertaining to to the strict press you're not gonna go ahead and do you know bent over rows or pull ups you know you're gonna stay hey the focus is pushing strength right you do that five by five on the strict press, so the accessory movement's is going to be something to develop that pushing strength. Whether it's you know something more isolated, as you know, like a, a skull crusher.
1: What's always been helpful for me is never to, and this is why I try not to geek out on uh, on talking the uh, the proper semantics on muscle groups, but on muscle action. So if the action is press, what other isolation movements can I do that help complement the press? and that's how i think about movement i don't think about uh all the you know fancy terms that cause the press to do the press because i i can see what movements help complement the press and i look at other movements that have pressing like motions that are single action that are iso work and that really helps me think about how i build up that stronger overall compound movement like the press
0: yeah no that's a good point you're kind of focusing on um what the movement is not necessarily the muscle groups that are working it that's probably that uh old bodybuilder in me that that thought of it like that
1: well and our benefit and i say it's a huge advantage is that we come out of the commercial gym so we came out of iso work mm-hmm. we came out of the bodybuilding separation and i think for what I've seen in my experience, some of the best trainers in our field are the ones that come out of the commercial gym and then moved in because they they got the best of both worlds and they find a happy medium. It's uh, it's why functional bodybuilding, uh, why it's he's doing major, so successful. Yeah. It's why uh, a company like OPEX is very uh, successful. These individuals have the experience as personal training, and they brought it into this functional training industry, and they've uh, they've done really well for themselves. Yeah,
0: and another to your point is, um, you know, you have that perfect balance of intensity too. Accessory movement's not going to be too intense, you know. So people like me and you that came from that, you know, the the corporate gym setting. You know, we still do our accessory movement days, our bodybuilding days, so to speak. And then we come in here, we'll do the CrossFit workouts. That's super, super intense. If you're doing CrossFit style training seven days a week, you're you're going to get crushed. You're going to get beat up. So, you know, um, it's safe to say that, you know, we're getting the best of both worlds in regards to intensity. We're not, you know, overtraining. We're not beating ourselves up. But um, it's kind of just going back to the term, you know, we're working smarter, not harder all the time.
1: Yeah, and there are certain movements that are compound in nature that are just crushing people right now. I think kipping pull ups are crushing people. They're messing with their joints uh, and they can't figure it out. And to me, to us, it's obvious why their elbows are flaring. Uh, people are jerking and their shoulders are in pain and they don't know why. And so we have to help them take a step back because a lot of these people, this is their first form of formal training Mm -hmm. and so they just don't see it and for us it's so glaringly obvious why these aches and pains are occurring but uh we have to get them to slow down a little bit to really help them recognize what's going on and unfortunately the the moment uh the 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 Achilles heel here is that they actually learn this when they finally get injured because it's like wow i get it i was forced to actually slow down and now i can work some of this accessory work and then when i come back into training i feel better
0: yeah and then when you're doing the accessory work there's no pressure to you know get a great time so that's when the focus is on that much more quality movement as opposed to just getting the greatest time ever you know there's no clock there's no rush so you can kind of say hey you know what this feels really good this is how my, you know, overhead strict press should feel. Isolation movements isn't the only type of accessory movements that are out there. You can kind of pick, you know, a uh, certain compound movement and then f- determine if you have a weakness on one specific part of that movement. Like when I talked about earlier in the podcast, was your bench press, uh, the lockout portion, you know, that it's something you could work on specifically by just practicing the lockout portion okay not necessarily just doing an isolation movement but you can still get down on a bench Uh, a good one is you know pin presses you can kind of Mm. set up the bench to where there's some pins um in line with the bench where you're really just starting the barbell from about three quarters of the way up and you're just pressing from the pins to the lockout it's it can be done with multiple movements and this kind of goes back to a part where you're kind of identifying your weaknesses this is pertaining on what part of the compound lift that is weak
1: yeah back squats would be pause squats at the bottom sit on a green box with a kettlebell goblet squat like so there's still some similarity to compound movement but you're you're, you're taking focus on one part of the motion right mm-hmm. it's the bottom it's the top usually people struggle at the bottom or the top so we're looking at where that is and and trying to complement with some uh less compound exercises to do the work
0: yeah and you can pick top bottom or even during uh some i see that's pretty common is. Um, a lot of the Olympic lifters do stuff from blocks mm. or do stuff from that mid, that mid motion. It's I that like mid, that. You know, that's that transition. Yeah. You know, it's that, it's that transition. Um, and then, you know, something we haven't really mentioned yet, but you know, a lot of this stuff can be fun. It can give you that extra spice to your training on, Hey, I'm not just going to go into the gym, and do a five by five. I'm going to do some snatches from blocks or I'm going to attach some bands to, my bench you know this
1: week it's pulling and today we're doing curls like where what other gym are you going to see that in the middle of a crossfit gym like we're curling because it adds spice it's different and it's completely iso like we know that if someone's bicep strength is not where it needs to be there is no miracle that they are going to perform to get themselves over the bar we know that they have to have uh, an equal level of strength to body weight ratio and the bicep is a major component of that in the pull-up so why not acknowledge that and get people to bicep curl
0: yeah no no doubt and then it just comes down to the quality coaching of knowing when to program something like that you know we program bicep curls today because we have our focus of the week our skill of the week being pulling strength so we know Damn well, you know, like you just mentioned, the stronger the biceps are, it's going to pertain to
1: your pulling strength. It's really interesting because I think a lot of gyms aren't doing it because they're not confident enough to give that to their members because they've sold high intensity for so long that they can't put something on the front end like bicep curls and not have the confidence to sell that as a part of the training component because it's not high heart rate. It's not putting them on their ass and unfortunately long term it's, uh, it's a bad practice because these are the people that are getting injured sooner
0: yeah it uh kind of just comes down to the the coaches you know we do a great job at explaining hey the bicep curls this is how it's going to feel you know it's not going to feel super gassed up on after you know doing a big metcon but hey this is the value here it's going to pertain to when we get up on the bar you know you're going to be doing better pull-ups and it's up to the coach to go forward with confidence on explaining that to the members
1: yep What's another accessory work they can do? Uh, let's just kind of spitball on the pull-up. What what other accessory work first that comes to mind? For me, uh, if it's not bicep, it's lats. So we've done a single arm dumbbell bent over rows on the bench, like, let's do it. Let's put that as part of a skill because we know and recognize the lats are just as important as the biceps for pull-ups. So let's put them in. That's a great accessory work.
0: Yeah. Uh Else uh, it hold from the top, mm. you know. Uh, so you
1: getting some isometric in there?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, isometric, exactly, isometric. Um, so what, what else we got? Any any horizontal pulling like you just mentioned the row, ring rows, ring great. curls. Great. You know, great, great, great. Uh, if you're really you know geeking out about it, you got to get just as much vertical pulling as you are horizontal pulling. And I. You know, we're talking about other gyms. It's probably safe to say a lot of other gyms don't focus on horizontal pulling as much as we do. They just focus on the pull up, you know, which is vertical pulling.
1: Well, uh, what's even more scarier is that the only back training they're getting right now is pull ups. Yeah, it's it's vertical, which is crazy because we got 80% legs and your only upper body pulling exercise is pull ups. And there's a huge skew. Uh, disproportionate ratio between how they're training their upper body it's when you say it like that and you're stepping outside the box you're like no wonder people's shoulders are jacked no wonder their elbows are being are blowing up like uh, blowing up I had a member like like that earlier this week. He's been doing all these pull ups and all his elbow hurts. Like do you know you like like you gotta get off the kipping for a little bit, calm it down with some strict, and then let's build this thing back up. So
0: Yeah, that's a good point is we gotta kinda go back to the strict before kip, you know, um slogan that, that's been there for a while. If you don't have the, the strength or the control to put yourself up safely in a strict pull up, like in my opinion you, you, you shouldn't be um doing kipping pull-ups even if you can't get a kipping pull-up but you can't get a strict pull-up I'd rather you see you know throwing a band for a little bit of you know assistance and knock out some strict get a little bit stronger then learn the kit
1: I agree I agree and I think uh, that's one of those movements where you have to unfortunately uh, have some issues with uh, when it comes to inflammation or joint or some type of injury to be like hey maybe I have to reassess what I'm doing with these pull-ups
0: yeah, uh let's let me go. So we got a pulling one. Let's go. Legs. Alright, so say I
1: want to uh, I want some accessory movements for my back squat. Uh, sure. I mean one of my favorites lately has been uh, some RDLs, some heavy, heavy, crazy RDLs, 85 pounds on each hand, strap them up, go slow, four by eight, get some control on it. Nothing leaves me more sore in my hamstrings than the heavy DBRDL.
0: yeah i love it uh when we we're ga- kind of game playing for the podcast uh one a part of my favorite accessory moves were um back extensions mm. back extensions it's kind of it, it flows on the same thing uh strengthening your posterior chain you know your backside which is your glutes hamstrings lower back if you you know any uh deadlifting or back squatting you know when in doubt try to
1: strengthen that posterior chain yeah, I agree. Uh, I think a favorite of ours is uh, high rep lunges. I mean, they don't have to roll 400, 800 like we do. But, I mean, doing sets of 20 will blow up their legs like they've never experienced before. Because they do it with more pace. They do it without the uh, this pressure to perform really fast. And then really get that, like, that mind-body connection we talk about. They really get a much positive benefit from doing leg work like that than when they do... Uh, Doing twenty reps slow and doing twenty reps fast are two completely different completely. forms of the lunge, and I think they just need to do a little bit more tempo work on their accessory to really get the, the the most bang for their buck.
0: Yeah, we didn't even mention the the tempo work. You know, it's a great you know addition to accessory movements is some tempo work. You know, slow slow it down, and uh, the beauty about doing a rep slow is you feel these different positions you know during the rep that you won't normally feel at higher intensity. Yep uh yeah so we got pulling we got legs uh let's finish out with some pushing man what uh what are some of your go-tos to kind of increase uh some pushing strength uh
1: i know a big weakness of mine is my triceps because every single time i uh do tricep extensions skull crushers anything like that uh i get crushed i'm sore for days so i know it's one of those things that uh that there's still a gap for me between my compound pushing, I benched over 300 pounds, and I go three by 12 tricep extensions and my triceps 12. are sore for days. It's a great uh, indicator for me that my triceps aren't built up yet. Uh, so I, I'm a big fan of uh, tricep extensions.
0: Yeah, no, I like that. Um, I, I like banded pushdowns. you know, and, I, and I've seen you do it too with, with some personal training clients where you, we do the uh, the ghetto tricep pushdown where we yeah. set up two red bands, yep. and then we'll put a PVC pipe in between yep. them. And it, it works. It does. It really does. It, it transfers. And it
1: goes back to what we said is like because of our experience in the commercial gym, we're trying to get creative on what we know, the ISO work that worked for us back then, and how we can translate that and bring that into to our gym here. And that's... Probably what's made me such a great coach is i found that for me i found that happy medium because at one point in my life I was commercial gym don't touch CrossFit with a 10 foot pole that was my mentality. This was I. And then I came through and I said I'm only gonna do CrossFit because it's the only thing I believe in. Mm-hmm. And then over time I found this happy medium between the two.
0: Yeah, you're like combining you know the value in both areas and then also you know, based on your beliefs on how training should be, you know, and your little own personal twist. And uh, not it all flows together very well, man. I think that's why we got such a great thing going at Naples Training and Conditioning.
1: Thanks, brother. So let's leave it out for current members or people doing our style of training. What would be uh, recommendations for them trying to, hey, we sold the idea on accessory work. They're like, hey, maybe I should put that into my training. How do they do that when they're already getting Three to four days a week of high intensity training?
0: Well, first things first, I'd go on the programming that we send out every Sunday. Really good. Okay. And then, you know, determine on what days you're coming in and then what movements are those specific days. Okay. So if you see something that um, you know you're going to be doing that day and it, you know, might not be a strength for you, you can come in beforehand, do a little work before do a little bit of work after, you know, it just comes down to you getting it in. Uh, and then another one you can do is maybe a, a off day. If you feel like super beat up from a, you know, very intense, you know, Metcon or uh, some really heavy compound lifts, you know, do it on an off day. It could be somewhat of an active rest day where the focus is just doing some accessory movements.
1: That's really good. I think the, the most underutilized time of training right now is – uh, before class or after class, for people, they're already here. The facility is already set up for them to do their work, but they just—they have no—they uh, have no goals. Uh, and so what happens is they find themselves doing 100 PVC pass-throughs before class, sitting on a foam roller but not really doing anything with it. And it's just such a great opportunity to take 10 to 15 minutes on. Even if it's one accessory work uh, a day that you come in, it's a, an exponential improvement from what they're doing with a PVC or a foam roller.
0: Yeah, it's kind of just having some urgency to, to follow maybe a game plan. If, if they would develop a game plan, hey, you know, uh, so, you know, it's pulling strength week. If, you know, if we didn't have biceps today, say today was a strict pull up. You know, if you want to do some bicep curls before or after, you know, even like you just said, one movement compounded over time, like the consistency there will deliver the long term benefit.
1: Of course. And I think that if we can just sell that a little bit better, we won't. We won't have to explain the obvious to them, which is like you're not getting good at your pull-ups because you're doing absolutely nothing to improve your pull-ups And our programming is not a miracle There's nobody's programming that's gonna perform a miracle if you aren't spending extra time outside of the programming three to four days a week To work on your weaknesses.
0: Yeah, sometimes it just takes that, you know, almost punch in the face where you bomb out You know, you can't do a freaking pull-up during the the group class to say hey You should be doing some more work for this or unfortunately if there's an injury or something your shoulder gets blown out it's like hey you know what we kind of should have established this you know way before this happened unfortunately it takes like that you know awakening to to really kind of go back to the drawing board and do more of what you're doing now because it's obviously not enough
1: yeah, uh, nothing makes me feel better when, than uh, someone's frustration on the double under for them to come back next week to say I bought my own ro- rope to actually get to take this seriously, uh, and that's uh, that's powerful to me because now they're finally meeting us halfway. They're they're not hoping that we're gonna have to we're doing all this work for them. Yeah, no doubt. Cool. Thank you guys. Appreciate accessorize your accessory movement. Take some time. Think about what is your weakest link. Put some time and energy into that, and you're gonna see some great results. No doubt. Appreciate it, guys. Peace.